Recording ah! in progress. <clears throat> Join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for the saints of God that have gathered together. We thank you, Father, that you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We thank you, Lord, that you call us your bride. We, you call us, Lord, your chosen one, your elect, your holy people, the apple of your eye. I thank you, Father, that we are no longer bound by the yokes of the wicked one. We're no longer bound, Lord, and enslaved by the yokes of our, our arch foe, that ancient serpent. Oh, but, oh, Lord, that by your precious blood you have broken the bondages of sin. You have released us, Lord, from the debt of sin and the curse of the law. And you have released us, O oh Lord, from uh, that which is greater than a life sentence in prison. Lord, you, you have caused us, O oh Lord, to be transferred from darkness and to the kingdom of your dear Son, that we're no longer subjects to your wrath. And Lord, we, we have a glorious expectation. We thank you today, God, that you are a defender. Or that you are our our buckler, you are our shield, you are our our general in the commanding army, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you're invincible in battle, and and the the kingdom uh, and your government, Lord, will know no end. And that, Father, that you you, O Lord, have all might and wisdom, and therefore we can take great courage and confidence, knowing, Lord, that we can always abound in you. That you deliver us from evil and you deliver us from the evil one. Father, I thank you for your love and your mercies that are renewed every morning. I thank you for your great grace, O oh Lord, that has kept us to this day. I thank you, Father, that you, that you see us through eyes of love. And God, that you strengthen us when we're weak. You encourage us, Lord, when we're distraught and discouraged. You, you give us joy, Lord, when the enemy tries to inject us with depression and dejection. Father, I thank you, O Lord, that, that in you, O Lord, we have a continual uh, a source of strength. That, Lord, we draw from Mount Zion, O God, hope and glorious expectation and, and resources and strength and provision and forgiveness. <coughs> Father, I thank you, Lord, that that in you, Lord, there is truth, and in you there is light, and you're the light of the world, and you guide us, Lord. Even for those who sit in darkness, they shall see a great light. Father, we bless you, and we thank you, and we glorify you. I just want you to take a couple of minutes and begin to glorify the Lord. Begin to thank him. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise, and be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Father, we bless your name, Lord, because you are good, and your mercies are renewed every morning. We thank you that you are good. You're compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. We thank you, O Lord, for the blood that was shed on Calvary. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that has taken residence within our soul. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost that, that strengthens us and continues to administer your love and sheds your love abroad in our hearts. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray that you would get the glory this day and that you would speak to your people. 
I pray that they will hear a word from the throne of grace. <coughs> Father, I pray that that you would afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Father, may we not dodge your word. Your word says that it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing both soul and spirit, and judging the intents and motives of the heart. Lord, I pray, shed light on our motives and our intents. Shed your light, Lord, your loving light upon our lives, that we may take heed thereto, that we would be corrected, O Lord, and that we would be strengthened, that we would be established. Father, that we would be informed. God, I pray for the Holy Ghost. I pray for unction, Lord, and power to be able to deliver your word. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so again, Colossians chapter 1. Um let us begin actually at verse <clears throat> 6. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. Uh, excuse me, verse 5. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Oh, it's a, it's a NIV. Um, that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learn it from uh, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. <coughs> Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with all the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now the reason why I had us, uh, we'll, we'll continue to read um, down to verse 14. Um, but the reason why I had us read from verse 5 is to give further context to what Paul is stating here in verse 9. Um, in verse 9 he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And we need further context to determine what the reason in verse 9 is for. Because he says, for this reason. So what is the reason that he's continuing to mention them in his prayers? And from verses 5 through 8, we learn what that is. And what we learn is that Colossae had heard the gospel, right? Because Paul said that the gospel had gone to the world and that is bearing fruit. Um, but that when uh, uh, Epaphras had shared the gospel to them, they understood the God. They understood God's grace. So Epaphras, who is a fellow servant had communicated the gospel to the church at Colossae, and they therefore understood the, uh, the, the gospel and, the God, and God's grace and have become engrafted in the fold. And the reason why we know that they've been engrafted within the church is because Paul is writing to the church, right? And so this is grounds to encourage the heart of Paul to begin to pray for the church. 
begin to pray for those in Colossae is he is aware that there is a, a spiritual birth that has occurred in their life. Right? At the, at, the, at the proclamation of the gospel. And for that reason, he says, since the day we heard about you, so Paul doesn't even get them see them personally. Up until this point, he has only heard about the church at Colossae. And what I love about Paul is he's so kingdom-minded, right? That he, he doesn't have to meet them personally. He doesn't even have to uh, become so fond of them through, you know, relationship experience uh, in order for him to pray for them. He sees that a work of God has been established there. And since Paul's heart and motivation is to advance the gospel, what does he do? He begins to pray for them immediately. He says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So he didn't wait a week later. Amen. The day he heard about them and what was going on there, he immediately began praying for them. And what I think that he, what that demonstrates is um, an immediacy in the heart of Paul. Right? There's no slothfulness. There's no sluggish. There's, there's no sloth in Paul's spiritual walk. Amen. Whereas in some, in some cases, God may tell us to do something or pray for someone. Right. And you don't get around to it a week later. Oh man, I forgot to pray for this person. And I'm not looking for hands, but I can assume that uh, some of us are probably guilty of that. Oh, I'll pray for you, brother. And then, you know, the embarrassing thing is they come around later and say, thank you for the prayers. And you're like, oh, dang, you, you didn't pray. <laughs> um... That can pro that I'm sure that might be an embarrassing thing, if that has ever happened to you, right? If someone comes to you for prayer, and you say you'll pray, and their prayer gets answered, maybe someone else is praying for them, and they come to you thanking you for prayer, and if in your mind you knew that you didn't pray for them, what do you say? Um, that that might be a, an embarrassing thing, and uh, I think it, it rightly so. We need to deliver what we say we will do. Amen. If you say you're going to pray for someone, don't be like the world who only use prayer hands and say prayers as a form of sympathy. Prayers. Yeah, have you ever seen that on like Facebook or Instagram? Prayers. It's like you don't even pray. What do you mean pray? You use crystals. You got your chakras or whatever those things are. Your great, your, your, the uh, I am confessions. <coughs> you don't even pray. I don't, you know, so, um, I, I seen a quote and I think Sister Anna posted this on her stories too. Um, it said, surround yourself with people that are praying behind your back. Amen. That's what we need to do is surround ourselves with people that are praying behind our back. You know, at, at work already, I'm, I'm knowing who to stay away from because they'll gossip to me. And if they gossip to me, they'll gossip about me. <laughs> so I'm like, stay away. <laughs> um, it's true. 
That doesn't mean that it isn't important to sometimes share information that needs to be shared, but sometimes it ain't your business. And people love to talk about any and everybody. They'll talk about anything except their own problems. Right? They'll talk about, you know, this person at work because they didn't like their haircut. They'll talk about this person at work because I don't think they should be doing that. I don't, you know, it's just, uh, you know, a constant dripping, you know, nagging, a continual dripping on a rainy day. Right? You know, what I've learned are the most powerful people are the, less, are, are the least given to gossip because they speak to God about men more than they speak to men about men. You can say amen to that. <clears throat> you know, I was listening to Apostle Arome last night, and, uh, oh no, Apostle Michael Orocopo, or, uh, one of those guys, and uh, he had pointed out, he says, uh, you know, God never gets tired of your praying. He says, men might get tired of your speech and your talking, but God never gets tired of your praying. You cannot weary God with prayer. Isn't that an amazing thing? I remember at one funeral I spoke at, uh, you know, I felt like God gave me that in the moment. And it was to say that um, there are no drop calls in prayer. There's no Wi-Fi interruption in prayer. <clears throat> you don't have to pay a monthly payment to get God, uh, a hold of God on a hotline. You're able to come boldly, therefore, to the throne of grace in your time of need. So when are you in need? That's a perfect occasion to go to the throne of grace. Amen? Oh, y'all ain't talking to me. Amen. So, <coughs> um, but Paul is not sluggish. Let me just say this. You know the reason why some of you guys are so slothful in prayer? And I don't say this to, to belittle anybody or to hurt anybody. But the reason why is because you, you, you're given more to what men are saying and you're, you, you give more attention to social media and everything else that the worries and the cares of this life become such a burden to you that that way prevents you from ascending to high places in the spirit. You collect this and you collect that and you, you, you go over here and you meddle over there. And, and so you collect all this baggage and this luggage, right? And, and, and God, the Holy Ghost, convicts you and say, go to your closet. And because you put it off from the time he originally spoke that until hours later. So it isn't until hours later that you've collected more baggage that God didn't want you to carry. When you could have in the win in that window of time that God was giving you to go seek his face. But the longer you put it off, the easier it is to put him off. Do you know that? You know, the longer you put off God to seek his face, the easier it is to put him off. I don't know if you knew that. That's why people who say, I'll repent on my deathbed. No, 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 no. Let me assure you, oh man, that... The, the longer you put off God, the, 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 the 
tighter that funnel of mercy becomes. Because if you can say no to him now, today, you can say no to him tomorrow. And that's why those who desire to repent at the last have no spiritual awareness because the light has grown so dim that though uh, they hear man telling them to repent, they can't hear the Spirit of God telling them to. You know it's possible to hear from a man to repent and not hear from God the Holy Ghost to repent? It's, it's possible. Now, because the Bible says, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today, because there is no tomorrow. It's not here yet. All there is is the today. And so if God today is telling us something, don't wait until tomorrow. Right? <clears throat> uh, they say the early bird gets the worm. I think that's true in the kingdom too. Is those who have a sense of immediacy in their heart. But and I'm not saying death, you know, deathbed conversions don't happen. But I'm saying that if God is showing mercy today, it may not be the case that the person he's shown him shown mercy ten years ago, telling the man to repent, will have mercy on his on his dying day. There's no certainty. Is it possible? Yes. But God is not obligated to extend mercy. You know that? God is not obligated. God is obligated to exact judgment. So if mercy is shown, know that it is not an obligation on God's part. So how sweet is the sound of mercy when it does come? Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, Paul is not slothful when it comes to prayer. And see, this is what we need in today, today in the church, is that we need men and women who have a sense of delight, a sense of strength, a sense of desire, a sense of covetousness in the place of prayer. We need that. We need men like Paul. We need men like uh, Epaphras. We need men and women who are consumed with zeal to seek the face of God. You know, because today we're zealous about everything else. We want to be seen by men. And unless we're seen by men, you know, we, we don't want to do anything for God. But where are the people that have their reward in the secret place? See, I'm doing this for the eyes of my father. I'm doing this because my father said I would be rewarded. Therefore, I, I, I give the utmost to God. You, you, let me just say this as a warning, not to any of us here. But you'll be surprised the amount of, of popular people in the main, mainstream Christian community that are doing things to be seen. 
and we're we're applauding them saying they're you know they're absolutely spiritual people not knowing that there are a lot of people given to spiritual pyramid schemes and they're using manipulation the reason why i keep crying out against this is because um what we need is true spirituality and unction from the holy ghost and not people's psychological manipulative tactics there's a huge difference. And sometimes people applaud like, man, this is, this is uh, you know, the, the voice of God. Or this is, you know, um, the, the, I can't find the correct words. But uh, I hope that you get what I'm saying regarding that is, um, a lot of people are falling headlong into these movements and and certain uh, denominations or peoples and and uh, and a lot of it is it, a lot of it be a lot of be behind uh, this stuff is a, a lot of uh, greed for money and power and prestige. Um, but anyways, continuing forward, he says we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Okay, so what does he say here? We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. So, <clears throat> you, know what the, you know what the language of faith is? is consistency. There are some people out here today that say all you need to do is pray the prayer once and you're good. That is a lie. There are certainly some things that we pray for one time and it is manifested that day. God actualizes it. However, that is not always the case. There are some things that God only answers until the hundredth prayer. I know we don't believe that today in the church because, hey, we're in a popcorn generation and we want everything to be microwavable. But if you know God, you know that he commands that you wait. And not only does he command that you wait, he commands that you pray during the waiting. Amen? <clears throat> See, and I spoke about this recently, long suffering. We don't want to suffer long. You know, a delay in prayer is, is long, is, 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 occasions for you to suffer long. Do you think Joseph suffered long? He did. He was placed in prison unjustly. And I'm sure he offered up many petitions. God, deliver me. I have a prophetic dream from you that, uh, that my brothers will bow down to me, that I will uh, acclimate to a position of power, not for my own uh, glorification, but for the glorification of your name and the deliverance of your people, right? He had a call on his life, but everything in his life told him a contrary message. And had he had relapsed, had he had given up in, on God, he would have died along with his dream. Amen. Amen. <coughs> so wait upon the Lord. I need to hear some feedback from y'all. To let me know that uh, you're you're, you're going to wait on God. That you're not going to just bless yourself. Or, or, 
Are we here? It also helps me know that you're not on social media. Um, and so if you are, take that as conviction. Um, you know, let me just say this. <clears throat> you wouldn't, you wouldn't be, or I hope, I, I hope you wouldn't be, uh, on, uh, Facebook and stuff like that in church, right? Normally we call those people lukewarm. You know, the, you know, the musicians that always love to sit in the back in the back pew and laugh and giggle out their phones. <laughs> right? Well, let's, let's not be, let's not be like them. Um, because I'm sure everybody here has enough time on, on social media as it is. You don't need get a little hit of your social media crack on um, on our meetings. And I want to say this as a reminder and as a rebuke. Okay. Um, take it as a rebuke because um, this is a sacred meeting. It's not sacred because, hey, I'm I'm holding it. It's sacred because whenever... <clears throat> let me teach you something real quick. Whenever a, a minister... It doesn't matter what that minister's office is, but whenever a minister uh, facilitates a meeting with the people of God, that is church, Okay. I need to give this definition to you because now let me just say this because I know that people disagree about this and it's not to boast in a minister or anything like that please hear what I'm saying you need to be patient with me on this but this is where I need to deconstruct some of our beliefs you know if a minister is not present it's not church it's a gathering let me say that again if a minister is not present it's not church it's gathering the reason why I say that the Bible says that the found the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ being the chief cornerstone, right? And upon that foundation, we grow up into a holy edifice. So that if there is no foundational component, that is to say there are no ministers, there is no church. Now that not only speaks with respect to the apostolic doctrine that has been laid right but the reason why because it's not a home if there are no parents if all there are are kids in the house it's not a home it's a house that are, is occupied okay w would you agree with that I mean I, I, I don't know what kind of home that is because a home implies order, it implies structure, it implies a goal, it implies directive, it, imp that it implies authority, right? Ch children have no authority, okay? Only parents have authority. And so, with that said, and the reason why, too, because there's a lot of renegades that will deviate and, and branch out apart from the authority of the of the structure there and then start their own thing. And that's how factions and divisions are created because there is a, there is a gathering without authority. 
Does that make sense? And so, <coughs> and now let me deconstruct this other belief. You are not the church singularly. You are the church collectively. When Paul says you are the church, he says that in third person plural. And the reason why I know that is because I know enough of Greek to know how these things work. You know, I don't say that to gloat or boast, but I'm just saying I, I've looked up, you know, I know what, uh, you know, the person, the number in, in Greek that. And so Paul uses third person plural um, when he says you are the church and individual members of it. You're a member. You're not the church. You're a member together collectively with ministers. The sheep are the church. Does that make sense? And I don't really even like the term church. I like the term ecclesia. That is to say, called out ones. That's what it means. Now, that's important. It's very important. You may not see the immediate importance of it, but it is. Um, <coughs> now, with that said... Um, Paul is saying we continually ask God to fill you with knowledge. Uh, we, we have not stopped praying for you. So that means prayer should be repetitive. Always going to the Lord. Always going to the Lord. Always going to the Lord. Men are always to pray and not faint. Right? Men are always to pray and not faint. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I know what my original point was. Is since it's a sacred gathering... Remember, this is God's time, not ours. Amen. Because since God has commanded such a uh, 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 an assembly, right? That's another definition of the word ecclesia, which is the word church, is assembly. All right. What do you do when you purchase something? You assemble and, and, and you purchase something from Amazon, and all these part individual parts. You assemble it. That means that each pers each part has a designated place it needs to be by design. You could, you could collect it all, put it in a pile, but unless they're all in their individual places where they belong, it's still disassembled. Amen. And so, as an assembly, it's a sacred meeting on God's time for the purpose of the glorification of God. Okay. So you know one of the things. Um, one of the things I, I, I try to teach the students. That I, I, I work with at, at uh, school. Because sometimes they'll ask me questions. And, uh, and I'll try to give them wisdoms. Right during like recess or stuff like that lunch and then if i notice they're distracted i'll just i'll just shut up and the reason why i stop speaking is because they're not listening and i tell them very frankly i said i can shut my mouth and i'll move forward and i'll i'll stop speaking but if you want to listen i need your attention and and the reason why i say that that can come off as like oh that's so boastful why why do you the reason why I say that is because Jesus said, don't cast your pearls of swine. 
have enough value in the words that you carry, if they're true, to not just hand them out when they're not valued. Because you know why? Subconsciously, people will begin to think that there's no value to to it. You don't just give anything to anybody. Jesus did it. In fact, he praised the Father that there were things hidden from the sight who were wise after their own ways. Is that not in your Bible? So I thank you, Father, that you've hidden this from the wise and the learned. And you've revealed it unto babes. You know why he says babes? Because because they recognize their own insufficient knowledge. They realize that they don't have enough. Children have to become dependent upon those that are stronger than they. And so... When you're administering the word of God, and I I feel this prophetically, because some of you will continue to try to hound them as if you're like the bounty hunter of heaven until they open their eyes, but you can't make anybody see anything they don't want to see. You can't make anybody hear what they don't want to hear. You can't make anybody become saved. Either they they will to be saved or they don't will to be saved. The Bible says, warn a a, a divisive person once, warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with such a man. For you can be assured that such an individual is warped and self-condemned. Amen. (coughs) But some of us think that we, we, we do the job of the Holy Ghost trying to cause men to see. You don't have the power to do that. All you do is relay a message. And there is a time when you you wipe the dust off your feet and say, this this person, I'm clean from the blood of all men. Isn't that what Paul said in Acts 20 uh, to the Ephesian elders? He says, I am clean from the blood of all men, for I did not shun to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. For in Ezekiel says, when I say to a wicked man, you will surely die and you do not warn him to speak out, to dissuade him of his evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will die for his sin and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you spoke, then you're not accountable for that man's blood. And if he insists on his own ways, then they, they, uh, they're self-condemned. So continuing forward, he says, we continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. You know what the devil tries to do is he tries to obscure your vision so that you don't know what the will of God is for your life. Because Paul is praying continually that the church at Colossae would know the will of God. You know, that's one of the major questions that every believer wants to know. What is the will of God for my life? But can I tell you a secret? If you don't pray continually, like Paul was interceding for them, you won't know the will of God. See, everybody wants a, everybody is popcorn. You know, you just throw it in the microwave and, and you know, he, and then boom, you know, in a couple of seconds, I know the will of God. It don't work that way. And I, I am convinced that the problem isn't that we don't hear God the problem is that we don't want to wait long enough in order to hear him. 
Amen. Or let me let me say this. You do hear God, but the voice of your desires are louder than his voice, and so your your desires are overriding what God wants for your life. Oh, I know that doesn't encourage anybody because that means that some of us have to die to our desires. Isn't that what Jesus prayed? Not my will, Lord, but nevertheless, thine be done. Oh, but Lord, you know, I, I want to marry this guy because, you know, he's so handsome. Yeah, but he got more Jordan shoes than he does uh, uh, biblical books. He spends more time in the mirror than he does his Bible. Oh, yeah, let me get my new haircut. Yeah, let me get this fade real good. He spends more money on uh, haircuts than he does uh, giving to the cause of Christ. I'm not saying, you know... Get a shabby haircut and you know look like trash. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, I, I posted about that recently. Like, know your investments, <clears throat> know your priorities, and where to invest. And and you know, some of you sisters, you spend more uh, money on makeup than you do the kingdom. You spend more time in the mirror than you do with the Lord. Again, I'm not saying look ugly. I'm not saying don't care about your parents. But know where your priority is. What good is it to look good in the mirror after the natural man, but not have any, and not be polished up in the spiritual man? Right. We have to, we have to look up. We have to look at the mirror of the word and say, "How does my soul look?" Not to self-condemn ourselves. But because the love of God wants to correct you in that area so that you will look like a beautiful daughter of Sarah. Let's normalize it being a shame to look like Jezebel in the kingdom of God. Let's normalize that. You know, it's so sad how many popular Christian women get away looking like Jezebel. But because they're so gifted. Oh, and because they know how to preach. They know how to get behind a mic and riled up the crowd. We just dismiss it and it don't matter. And because you know how to bless the congregation and get a huge gathering. And and, and you, you and the person in the name brings in a lot of money. We'll just overlook that you got like a super tight skirt on. And you're dressed seductively. No, I don't. Mm -mm. Nope. You can get lost with all that. I don't care if it will bring in a crowd. I don't care if uh, it will boost any ministry or any church's name. No. I, what good is it if it brings in a crowd, but, but before the eyes of God and the cloud of witnesses, you bring reproach to that church? I want to be record in heaven among just men made perfect. That's what I want to, that's, because you know why? Because they're of noble character. They made it. 
Was it not Jesus who said that Moses will be your judge? There are, there are uh, so-called pastors today that are behind pulpits preaching Paul, the same man who stand in judgment over them. Jesus says, it won't be I that will be your judge. Moses, in whom you place your trust, will. You know, so... <coughs> it, 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 it saddens me how, how many people are falling by the wayside. You got over here in this camp of people that fall headlong over guys like Lovi, right? And, uh, you know, Prophet Lovi. Because I know how to tell you your number. Your, your bank account. And you know, all these different things. And then all these people are falling headlong. And yet, you know, all these skeptical things are coming out uh, about this man. Right? And then you got over here in this camp. Just because they're a good rapper, a good artist. And you like their music. You just, you just turn a blind eye to these things that they do. And so it doesn't matter whatever camps, what, what it is, it's a fear of man, and we want the praise of man more than we want the praise of God. That's what it is. But Paul says, I, I came not to seek to please man, for if I'm a pleaser of man, then I'll cease to be a servant of Christ. Amen. I'm, I'm tired of this hype stuff. I'm tired of the hype stuff. You know, we Jesus isn't into hype. <clears throat> you know that? And there was someone recently on Instagram, there was a sister, she posted this um, guy that was using a lot of props during his preaching. And I, I just commented, I said, comical figure. And the reason why I said that is to send a message. These guys are jokes. It's sad to say. But let me, let me just say this. You know, the reason why I have such an, uh, uh, a burden about this is because those men rob the people of God of what they should be hearing because they use the people as, as an occasion to only further boost this religious entertainment. Do you, you, you understand that? Charles Spurgeon says the time will come that we will no longer have shepherds behind the pulpit, but clowns. And I'm convinced of it. Amen. I hope we're not offended at that. Because can you see Jesus doing what the men are doing today? Can you see Jesus doing that? Can you see Paul? You, when he writes in the church, uh, to the church at Philippi, you know what he says of the men? whose ways are of the ways of the world, he says, of whom I write with tears, who, whose, whose God is their belly, whose, whose reward is in this life, of whom I now write concerning them with tears. Paul was distressed over these things. He says, I have upon me the anxiety of all the churches, the burden of all the churches. But you know what? You can entrust your soul to such men. Because they will tell you stuff even when you don't want to hear it. 
But sadly, we got uh, uh, people who won't be able to tell you the truth. I'm not saying tell the truth in hatred or be ugly about it. But, you know, I'd rather have someone tell me what I need to hear in love rather than for someone to flatter me. Amen? Because you can continue to flatter people to their destruction. Have you ever had one of those friends that just couldn't break people's hearts? And so when they asked you how their singing was, you say, oh, it's good. I like it. You ever, you ever meet one of them people? Because they didn't want to break the person's heart. Instead of saying, you know, man, I think you're wasting your time with this singing gig. I think you're wasting your time with this uh, rapping. You're just not good. Amen. Or ouch. Maybe you have to clean up some of the lies you've told. Because it's a lie. Don't stretch the truth. I hate when I'm asked questions like that because, you know, I, it's hard to tell the truth sometimes. Amen. Yeah, man, you're just, you're not good. But, but anyways, <clears throat> we're commanded by God to tell the truth in love. <clears throat> Don't lie. Um, but nonetheless, he's, the devil tries to obscure the will of God. Right? Because Paul is praying that we would know, we would have knowledge of the will of God. Knowledge of his will. So it, it is a tactic of the enemy to, get, to keep you ignorant concerning the will of God. Whatever means, whatever way he can, he's going to blind your mind. He's going to try to blind your heart or distort your will so that you're ignorant of the will of God. Now, let me say this. It doesn't matter how intellectual you are because you might be intimidated by so many people that know theology, that know, you know, read, you know, many things. You know, that won't get you an inch closer to the will of God. If your heart is not in the right place. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know the one who does. Amen. The knowledge of his will. Now Jesus says that if any man's will is to do the will of the father. He will know whether my doctrine is from God or not. So you have to remain consistent within the doctrine of Christ, within your word, be faithful to read it, amen? And if your desire is to do the will of God, Jesus will help you get there. But you know why? Because God wants you to do his will more than you want to do his will. Do you know that? God is more interested in you doing his will and wants you to do it more than you want to do it. So God isn't playing hide and seek with you. He ain't playing peekaboo. He's not playing catch me if you can. Let me just see how long I can hide from him. Because I want to see him agonize. <laughs> God don't do that. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible does say in Isaiah that the Lord who hides himself. 
So he does hide, not the purpose, not for the purpose of keeping you in perpetual delay or or to see you agonize. But you know why? Because sometimes in the seeking, there are things that die in you that need to die. Amen. You know, it was Hannah who prayed year after year after year after year, but it wasn't until she made the vow and said, okay, God, I've been reproached too long. I've been reproached too long of not having uh, born a child. Okay? So that finally, when that year came for her to go to the temple, she made the vow and said, Lord, if you give me the son, I will give him back to you. So sometimes God has to keep, uh, 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 sometimes you have to remain there in prayer and waiting on the Lord so that year after year that you ask him, it isn't until the final year that you ask him that something died in you and that God can finally get something to you that he can ask from you. Amen. Because see, some of you are wondering why you aren't married yet. And it's probably because you have to die to the idolatry of marriage. Amen. Some of you have to die to that. See, what? See, when God promised Abraham a son, he wasn't given that son overnight. <clears throat> Years later. And what did Abraham try to do? He tried to finesse. And he tried to get it his own way. And I'm convinced that after so, because he didn't see it so long, right? He finally came to the point of, man, I don't even think it's going to come. I'm not saying that that's exactly what Abraham said, but that might be where God needs to take some of us. Like, man, it's been so long, I don't even care if it comes anymore. And the point of your death in that area will be the year that it comes. Amen. Because some things need to die in us before God gets things to us. Because he's a good father and he's not going to lavish you with something that you're going to abuse. Hallelujah. Some of you will abuse the things that God wants to get to you if you don't wait on him. You know, I've seen, I seen this, uh, <coughs> i seen this video I posted on Facebook yesterday. And, um, I don't know the whole context, but there is a, there was a, there was this pastor who was rebuking one of the guys in his congregation um, but he was kind of doing it in a way where, man, that guy could really get offended. Um, he was just telling him like, if you don't shape up, like he pointed out him out in front of the entire church. Like there was probably like 70 to a hundred people and he pointed him out. And I don't know the whole context. Like I said, uh, but it sounded like the way that the pastor was coming off, it sounded like he was an upset father. That's kind of like the tone that he, he approached the, the brother. And uh, he was saying, he was saying, look, all you want to do is preach. 
He says, when it comes to serving, you won't ever serve. When it comes to cleaning, you don't ever clean. He says, but this mic right here will destroy you. He says, I'll tell you what. He says, if you don't want to serve, he says, I will give you $20,000 today. You can go and start your own church right now, today. He says, or you can choose to do it God's way and serve. And then when the time is ready, we'll bless you out. But he says, if, you, if all you want to do is speak and you never want to serve, he says, that, that microphone and that, that, that desire to get there will destroy you. And uh, I was like, e he's kind of get a, he's getting a spanking. Um, but I say that because, hey, sometimes we need to be told that truth. Because you know what? We, we want to surround ourselves with everybody that will be in agreement with what we want to do because we don't want to hear anything contrary. It's kind of like Absalom and Adonijah, right? When David, when Solomon was, was needed to be king, what do those guys do? They try to rally everybody else and exclude those who are truly of the kingdom in order to elevate themselves to become king. <clears throat> and so we have to be careful that we don't we don't manipulate things in order to get God's blessing. Right? Because that blessing will become a curse. And it won't it won't be any blessing. Amen. Y'all following? <clears throat> Sadly, I've seen a lot of people destroy their lives or, you know, ruin things because, you know, they just didn't follow God's pattern. And it's a hurtful thing to see. It's a very hurtful thing to see. Um... <clears throat> You know, there was his brother. I told, I said this before. You know, we told him not to marry. Uh, you know, he he uh, he married in like a month to a Catholic. I'm like, bro, you. you... <laughs> and then in a month they got divorced. I'm like, dude, try to tell you. You know. He didn't even get he didn't even get done paying off the ring. But anyways, <clears throat> it says um knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. So you know you need wisdom and understanding from the spirit in order to obtain knowledge of the will of God. That's what you need. That's why it says in James chapter one that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Right? See in order for you to do the will of God, you need to continue to do God, uh, go to God. You can't avoid God and do things for God. Does that make sense? Because the resources necessary to accomplish that task is locked up behind the one who ordered the task. And this is precisely why a lot of churches never take off. 
why certain ministries are impotent. They're powerless because they want to do things for God, but avoid the very God that they're doing it for. It cannot be that way. See, everything, details, timing, people. That's why the walk of faith is a difficult walk. And why people would rather be religious and have a checkoff list rather than to walk by faith. Because you have to, what faith says is I need to continue to wait upon the Lord and inquire of him until he gives me the details that are necessary to secure whatever he has for my life. So that means if there are things that enter into my life, God, I'm asking you, does this belong in my life? If there's a person that comes into my life, I ask him, Lord, does this person belong in my life? And you constantly go to him for everything. Everything. God, where do I move? God, when do I move? God, uh, 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 is this person for me? Do I take this job? And so that's why there is a strong emphasis upon prayer because it is the only methodology that is use that that is necessary in seeking the face of God as well as reading the scriptures. And so if you aren't seeking his face and getting directives from him, how will you prosper in all your ways? You won't. So we need to continue to go to the Lord to find out the knowledge of his will. And that's accomplished through the wisdom that the spirit gives. He gives it. And so if he gives it, that implies it's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. He gives it. He reveals it. And do you see why it's so crucial? Why the enemy will continue to distract you to get you away from prayer? Because it's the only place that you obtain all of that information, those downloads from God. So if he can rob you of that, he will rob you from the knowledge of the will of God in your life. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. You can't live from the mind. You can't live from the mind. You have to live from the spirit. Because there, there are so many variables and your finite mind is not in the position to be able to calculate all of these infinite variables in life. This thing, that thing, this thing. There are just so many things outside of our control. Things that we cannot foresee. And so the one who is already in the future, who knows all, can already see from A to Z. And that is why we come to him in faith, trusting his judgment. And say, Lord, you have the wisdom. Give it to me, O God. I have no wisdom of my own. I have no knowledge of my own. I have no power of my own. And that's the walk of faith. That's the walk of humility. And it says this, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So you see that wisdom and knowledge, the knowledge of the will of God, which is supplied 
by the Spirit of wisdom, leads us to live a life worthy of the Lord and to please Him. So that if you are lacking in wisdom, you will lack in pleasing God. If there is an absence of wisdom, there will be an absence of pleasing God. See, sometimes the problem isn't your zeal. You have zeal, but you don't have wisdom. And so therefore you make foolish choices in the name of God, meanwhile displeasing God. Isn't that what Saul of Tarsus did? He had a lot of zeal. But his mind was blinded as to what the will of the Lord was. He thought he was doing God a favor. Wasn't it not Peter who thought that he was doing God a favor by saying, Jesus, God forbid that you should go to the cross. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked him and said, Peter, you're minding the things of men and not the things of God. And isn't that interesting that you can vouch for Jesus and still be minding the things of men? Amen. Amen. It's like a lot of these exposure so-called ministries on YouTube that like to talk about tongues, talk against tongues. They think they're doing God a favor, but they're displeasing Him. How can, how can you speak about something that God gives as a gift and think that you're pleasing Him? Right? So it says, so that you live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. So it says, please Him in every way, not some ways. You know what? See, so that means that if there's this area in your life that you're pleasing God, but not in this area, guess what? This You pleasing God in this area does not make up for this other area where you're disobedient. Amen? It may not even be that you intentionally want to be disobedient, but rather that you are lacking in wisdom and you are misguided. Amen, somebody. So let me ask us this question. Are we pleasing the Lord in every area? In your prayer life, in your service, right, and uh, you know what, what, whatever else. How about the way that you treat your spouse? Um, the way you treat your other brothers and sisters. Um, giving we don't want we don't want to be lopsided we want to be able to please the Lord in every single area but it's going to take for us to tap into the wisdom of God and the knowledge of his will to be able to do that amen does that make sense um <clears throat> Now, now I'm going to read uh, this here, and, and Paul is giving us a description 
a catalog of, of what things that we need to be pleasing the Lord in. Number one, if you read there in verse 10, it says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Paul distinguishes work from fruit. Because it's it, he, Paul recognizes that there's work involved. But he's requesting that fruit be in the work. So that means you can be working and be fruitless. Because fruit isn't necessarily a work. Does that make sense? If I pray, God, may everybody under the sound of my voice have fruit in their work, that implies that there can be work without fruit. Amen? Because the main object, uh, the main request of the prayer is for there to be fruit. But again, and not, not for there to be work, but for there to be fruit. So that means you might be working and be fruitless. There's a lot of people, a lot of people in the church that think just because they're giving themselves to all these different activities, that therefore their life is fruitful. No, it is not fruitful if number one, you're out of assignment. Number two, you're not coming to the you're not doing your work in the strength and the energy that the Spirit provides. Or maybe you're doing work with wrong motives, in which case that's not fruit from the Holy Ghost, that's work from the flesh. <clears throat> you know, I, I can't tell you how many people uh, in the church throughout the years just like to do the pastor favors. No. See, you are supposed to do things because God said, not do things to get me off your back or to do me a favor. That may not be your motivation, and praise the Lord if that's not. But I'm saying this in the event if that has been a problem. <clears throat> because sometimes people will um, have their motivations in the wrong place. right? Because they don't want to displease someone. Or maybe because they, they want to create an image that everything is okay if I just get all the externals right. But in my heart, I'm not really doing it for God. And so I can just be undercover, an undercover Christian, and I'll have the disguise as if everything is good on the outside, but inwardly there's a lot of problems that I'm experiencing. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> it has to be done to please the Lord. Everything you do has to be done and motivated to please God, not to please men. You know, like for example, there, there are some people that they will just go to a prayer meeting because they don't want people to think that they're, they're backsliding. But inwardly, they're backsliding in their heart. So I'm going to just show up because so that way the pastor won't say anything. He won't suspect that I'm actually backsliding. But meanwhile, you're just you're on the prayer meeting. You're just falling asleep, or you're doing some other business. 
Amen. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times in the church there have been musicians that do everything. Why? Because they become popular. And now they think that they got the church wrapped around their finger. Why? Because, oh, a good service is dependent upon their skill. And they're a musician before they're a servant. Amen. They are a musician before they're a servant. They're not a servant before they're a musician. And so I'll sing when I want to sing. I'll play drums when I want to play drums. I'll play piano. I thought it was for God. Are you not a servant of Christ? Who are you, servant of men? Oh, so let me get this straight. Because now that the pastor offends you, you don't want to do it. If somebody rubs you the wrong way, oh, I'm not going to go back there. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to play. I thought you are doing it for the audience of one. That's why, sadly, more than half the church won't survive as an evangelist. Because what are you going to do when someone slaps you across the face? What are you going to do when people spit at you? People chew you out? And you're not motivated by men like that to keep going out. It's either it's for Christ or it's for an ulterior motive. Christ has to be the foundation of all that we do. Because at the end of the day, your main prerogative should be at the last day to hear from him, good, uh, good job, faithful servant. Amen. I'm not saying it's wrong to get pats on the back here and there. To, to be recognized and distinguished for your good work and good labor and compliment each other. Show honor where honor is due. And that always does help to encourage us. But don't get it twisted. At the end of the day, you should have enough confidence and security in your relationship with God such that when you go to the closet, you're drawing affirmation from Him. You're drawing strength from Him. Drawing, your, uh, drawing love from Him. Confidence from Him. So that it don't matter who rubs you the wrong way, you're going to do what you're going to do because he said it. Amen. It, it, take, it takes knowing God to do things for God. If you don't know God and doing things for God, it's the work. It's not fruit. It's just the work. It's not fruit. And you will, you will lose your reward. Because Jesus says anything that is done for the kingdom, quote unquote, that is not done for to please him, it's hypocritical giving. Hypocritical prayers. You'll be surprised at how many people in the church only want to do something when there's a crowd involved. Don't nobody want to pray. That's, that's an embarrassment. They will only give if you recognize it and you announce it. They will only they, they want to preach. They want to do all these things. Okay, how about when you're giving the back burner? You know, it's sad because, you know, there, there's a... I'm not going to give too much information, but there's this place I know. It's a church. And there's probably about like 200 people that go. Over 200 people probably. Packed.
packed house, right? Sunday or even Wednesday. Prayer meeting, because I visited eight people. Oh, let me guess. All of you guys got work. All of you. No, I don't believe it. How can it go down significantly to that degree? Oh, why? Because we want a party. That's what we want to do. We just want a religious party. But we don't want to do business and labor before God. And the sad thing I've realized, too, is many times prayer meetings always become me, me, me. My needs, my problems. Why don't we begin to think about other people? I'm not saying that your needs are not valid, but we need to come to a place in the Lord where we're not just thinking about ourselves. Now, if you're a baby in Christ and you just got saved, it's understandable. I get it. But guess what? There's a time when you're getting off of that milk. There's a time where you're getting off of that milk and you're saying, I'm so charged up in the Holy Ghost because I'm praying every single day. I'm going before the Lord. I'm shutting myself in the closet. I'm drawing strength and power from Him so that when we go to the prayer meeting, I'm not on a deficit. I'm not waiting to get poured into in order to attend. I'm already poured into because I already spent time with my master. And so now I'm ready to do business for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. And I can begin to pray to, for strongholds to be broken, for the devil's back to be broken, and for people to become saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Last night, me and my, my wife were praying. I don't say that to gloat, but man... We had a good hour in prayer in the Holy Ghost. The presence of God was there. Jesus was present. But there's enough love that the Holy Ghost inspired in our hearts to be able to pray for people who have betrayed us. And I'm not saying look at us, look at us, but serve, we're hoping to serve as an example. Do you only pray the people that give you pleasure to the flesh? Do you only pray for them? Hallelujah. <clears throat> I believe that during our prayer meetings, if we can learn how to pray for one another, the spirit of love will come in our midst, in our meeting, and it would be truly heaven on earth. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Our prayer meeting should not look like an entry list, uh, 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 the, uh, the, the, a hospital's entry list. That's not what it should look like. Pray for my aunt because of her knee. Pray for me because of my back. And, you know, it should not look like that. And everything is about physical ailments. No, man. Is there a place? Yes. But that should not make up the, the totality of the prayer meeting. God's kingdom needs to advance on earth. Let me ask you this. Are your hearts throbbing and beating for the advancing of the kingdom of God? 
Does your heart burn with a jealousy that there are still these barbaric tribes who do not give glory to God, who don't name the name of Jesus, who are still worshiping, praising these worthless idols? Does, this, does a jealousy burn within your soul? Does a jealousy burn within your soul that you see this LGBT agenda gaining prominence, deceiving our children, and you, you, you burn to see its destruction? I burn to see Islam's destruction. I burn. I burn to see LGBT's destruction. I want it to die. I want their so-called sacred books to burn. Some people say that's that's religious or that's fanaticism. Not to Elijah. Not to Elijah. He he, he burned. He says, "Lord, t- turn their turn their temples into to uh, toilets. Begin to mock Baal. Maybe he's out relieving himself on the toilet or something." Isn't that what Elijah said? You want me to be nice to to these these demons that are wreaking havoc in people's lives and commanding for for babies to be worshipped uh, to be sacrificed at the altars? No, I'm not going to speak nice about uh, those demons. Amen. Why? Because there is a God who loves the souls of men, who gave His life's blood for the souls of men, <coughs> and therefore my heart breaks. That Jesus is not receiving the full rewards of his sufferings. The Lamb of God is worthy to receive the full rewards of his sufferings. This nation, this country, this world belongs to him. It ain't the devil's. So my brothers and sisters, our aim and prayer should be, Lord, continue to raise up warriors to serve an eviction notice on the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so, Amen. so we need to have fruit in our spiritual work. Fruit in our spiritual work. Right? So again, that means doing things for God, working, yes, but doing it in the strength that God provides and doing it for Him. Doing it because you love Him. And you know what, my brothers and sisters? When you do something for the church, don't expect anything in return. Then your giving wasn't truly unto the Lord. Amen. Now, obviously, it's nice to get a thank you. Right? To be acknowledged. But how will your heart be if you're not acknowledged? That's why we have to do it for the Lord. We have to do it for Him. Amen? But it's going to be difficult to do that if you're not in the right place with Him. Amen. Guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart, my brothers and sisters. Guard your heart from porn. Guard your heart from fornication. Guard your heart from offense. 
Guard your heart from pride. Guard your heart from arrogance. Guard your heart from ignorance. Guard your heart from confusion. Guard it. Guard it like you would your own baby from an intruder. Why? Because the devil's after it. It says, growing in the knowledge of God. So we have to be bearing fruit in every good work and we have to grow in the knowledge of God. Guess what that means? That means you have to open your Bible. Are we opening our Bibles on a daily basis? I'm not looking for hands, but I, you know, that's a rhetorical question. Are we reading our Bibles on a daily basis? Or do we have other things better than that? And I get it, life is busy. But you know what? There was no one busier than Jesus, and he made it a habit at times to pray all night. <clears throat> <clears throat> the Bible doesn't say in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who stands not in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates whenever he wants to. No, it says he meditates day and night. It doesn't say he meditates whenever it's convenient for him. It doesn't say he meditates whenever he wants to, but he meditates day and night. doesn't say he meditates whenever the pastor says so. No, he meditates day and night. You know, some of you in the world, what do you used to do when it comes to music? You would bump that day and night. And God forbid that some of you are playing some of that trash music today. Flirting with the world. Well, guess what? A little flirt will hurt. Amen. A little flirt will hurt. Still playing Lady Gaga. Still playing, uh, uh, who are these other trash artists today? Lady Gaga or, I don't know. I don't know who's these. Drake. Uh, I don't know. Help me out. Who, who else is there? Rihanna, Beyonce, playing the music of witches. Don't be playing the music of witches. You know why? Because I guarantee you, if Jesus had a home, he wouldn't be playing that. You realize that, right? I hope you realize that. Jesus ain't going to be playing that. Don't play it. You know why? Because I dare say this before God. God hates it. God hates that music. And if the Holy Ghost isn't in you strong enough, if you're not sensitive enough to him to where you know that God in you hates it, then you're not where you need to be. Everybody wants to become lawyers. Oh, well, is it really sin, brother? Because my freedom in Christ. It's not your freedom in Christ. It's your, it's your 
You're trying to turn the grace of God into a licentiousness to sin. <clears throat> this is the cost, my brothers and sisters. Jesus gave it all. We have to give it all to him. So, another thing too, is, uh, so when we're growing in the knowledge of God, we, we come to a greater uh, knowledge of God through prayer. You know why? Because there are some prayers you have to pray in order for God to answer. For example, if you're in a difficult situation and you're praying for God to deliver you, you won't ever know God as deliverer until he answers you regarding that prayer. Someone broke your heart and you don't go to God in prayer for him to heal your heart, you won't know God is healer. You can read about it all day long, but those 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 must be that must become a reality for you to know God in that way. Amen. So there's three ways that we grow in our knowledge of the Lord. Because that's what Paul is desiring that we do. And the reason why he's desiring that that is what we do is because for us to live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing in every way. Right? So it's reading your Bible. It's praying. And it's listening to the preached word. That's another thing. Is we have to hear the word of God preached. Amen. So what we're doing here is growing in our knowledge of God. My hope and my trust is that we have learned things thus far that we did not already know. Okay, now moving forward, we'll come to a close now. Um, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So here's the thing. You can grow in the knowledge of God, right? But if you don't have power to execute that knowledge, you won't be able to do the will of the Lord because it takes strength and might to be able to execute the plans of God. There's nothing that God asks you to do in this life that will not require his might and strength. Because to do the opposite is to suggest that you could do the will of God in your own. You can do the will of God in your own might. That is not how the kingdom functions. You cannot serve God in the flesh. The Bible says he seeks for true worshipers that will worship him by the spirit and in truth. You may have truth indeed, but if you're not drawing strength from the Spirit, then you won't be able to deliberate what God has commanded you. Amen? So we need to be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might. So not some power, but all power. I put in the chat recently, as you guys have seen, There's, I hope that you guys were able to see this interaction. But there was this uh, guy who had many years uh, in the deliverance ministry. He's also a psychiatrist. And he had told at the time where there was a woman who was a Satan worshiper. And she was speaking fluent, fluent Latin. 
by demonic powers and she was levitating feet off the ground for 30 minutes straight. That's a shock, isn't it? <laughs> what would you do if you seen someone levitating feet off the ground, speaking fluent Latin and mocking you? Now I say that because they're inspired by demonic power. You know, I read in Leonard Ravenhill's book, uh, Why Revival Terrors, he says men today, because he wrote that in the 60s, uh, or maybe may, may have been the 50s during a time of, uh, I think, not long after the uh, atom bomb was invented. He says, today men boast of a- atomic power, but he says, where are men who can boast of Holy Ghost power? <laughs> and so I say that because we need Holy Ghost power. And more than today we need more than intellectual christianity i love apologetics i love theology but that won't do it we need more than that we need more than the word of god we need the god of the word and we need to draw power from the holy ghost that's why i believe what uh it's one of my favorite quotes that no man is greater than his prayer life Because it's from there that we draw resources from Mount Zion. Amen. You ever have those wonderful times when you're praying and you feel charged in the Holy Ghost? Amen. You ever have that time? Please tell me you have. Where you feel strengthened with the Holy Ghost. That's where you must abide. That's where you must live. Don't live in a state of depletion. You have to live in the state of infilling. Paul says, be being filled with the Holy Ghost. In some translations it says, be filled with the Holy Ghost, but in the Greek, it is a continuous verb. That means, be being filled with the Holy Ghost. That means that, you, there, there is never in a time in which we should not be we should not be be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to constantly receive continual infillings and baptisms of His Spirit. Amen. You know, I love retelling my testimony when I got baptized in water. Uh, with water, I, I I share this, and I don't. Proclaiming to all the world, but when it comes up, I, I bring it up. Is that I started ascending to the top of the water, and I remember when I was a baby Christian, about a year after my experience, I seen this lady from India on YouTube. She too ascended to the top of the water when she was getting baptized. And you know what happens? You know, dead bodies float to the top of the water, and when I got out of the water, and that's what baptism symbolizes: death to the world. But when I got out of the water, I felt like I had baby skin. And I was tripping out. But I say all that to say, this is a real spiritual walk. Not everybody's encounters are going to be the same. But you know what? The power from the same God is the same. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead can bring life to your mortal body. Can deliver you out of situations. Can bring life wherever there's death. Hope wherever there's despair. Restoration wherever there's destruction. And so is it of any wonder that Paul says being strengthened with all power, not some power, according to his glorious might, 
so that you may have great endurance and patience. We need patience and endurance. I wish I could say I had more physical endurance, but I don't. Um, you know, it, it takes more of a it takes more of an effort to continue to maintain that. You know, as you get older, and uh, you know, because before I used to like doing a lot of athletic stuff, and so if you don't maintain it, you'll lose it. But thanks be unto God that I can be sure that I have spiritual endurance. And so do we have spiritual endurance and patience today? You want to know a test of your patience? Pray. That will test your patience. Do you become agitated after 10 minutes? Oh, you ain't talking to me. So let, let you, you know why? Because that's good training ground. If you can't endure the presence of God for 10 minutes, what makes you think you can endure a fiery trial for two weeks? You got to think about that. Prayer is your training ground. Watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus said to his disciples, his apostles, could you not pray with me one hour? I know this stuff might get heavy. And in the flesh, some of you might be tempted to get offended with me. Because you're like, man, I don't want to do all that stuff. But one thing I can tell you is that I'm helping you to get to a place that you would not get by yourself. <clears throat> and so I will continue to push push you guys and it don't make me feel good because I already know that the natural man the old man wants to get bent out of shape because of those things wants to get offended but my hope and my trust is that you will all survive and more than survive for you to thrive because I don't think we should live in survival mode. I believe that we should walk victoriously in power. Amen. And that we take everything back that the devil wants, that has stolen from us. And we don't live in defeat. So we need endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father. If that wasn't enough... Because some of you feel like, man, I can bare knuckle it. I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just endure. It sucks, but, but that's not enough. Paul is saying that you need joyful thanks coupled with your patience. Some of you are like, man, that sucks. I can't do that. It's enough for me to endure something hard, but be joyful too. The only way that's possible is in the spirit. Amen. Have you ever had those times where everything was come crumbling down? Everything was coming to ruin? And you, one bad report after another and you had gone to the Lord and poured out your heart and gave all those burdens unto the Lord and the presence of joy met you in that room? I hope we can testify to that. 
Because that's the way of the altar. That's the way of spiritual men and women. And if you don't get there, you won't you won't make it. <clears throat> Your problems are not an excuse for you not to give joy unto God, not to give thanks unto God. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Was it not Job who said, The Lord has given and he taken away? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the way you get there is in James, it says, If any among you are afflicted, let him pray. <laughs> Sister Nancy, that's funny that you just wow. That's confirmation. If any among you are afflicted, let him pray. And if anyone's happy, let him sing praise. So some of you are not happy. So you need to pray until you obtain joy in the Spirit. Some of you are so afflicted that the only way for you to get to the praise is for you to begin to pray. Until that burden is lifted, casting all of your cares unto Him because He cares for you. And what happens is when you reach heaven's throne by faith and God reciprocates and answers you and has communicated to you by the Spirit that He has already dealt with it and has it handled, then that elicits a joy. And you begin to thank Him knowing that He's already working on your behalf. Amen. So when you're afflicted, go to the Lord in prayer until that burden lifts and the Holy Ghost communicates to you that He has already resolved the situation which then leads you to praise. And stay there until a joyful sound of glory and praise reaches into the throne of heaven. That's how you obtain victory. And lastly, he says, uh, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so this is the last verse. I think this sums it up. Why? Because he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of light. And so this gives us a grounding for why we should endure. This gives us a grounding for why we give thanks unto God. This gives us a grounding for why we should be joyous. Is that he has redeemed us and has forgiven us of our sins. And he's brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Right? We're no longer going to hell along with the devil and his boyfriend. <laughs> We're going to be with the Lord. Amen. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. I'm sorry, I just love throwing that one in all the time. <laughs> but the, the, the point of the, uh, the matter is, Jesus says, those who have been forgiven much love much. We're no longer going to be, we're no longer subject to the wrath of God. Amen. We're no longer on our way to hell. And so therefore, what great joy should we have? What great joy should we have that not only that we from earth will one day go to heaven, but heaven has already come to earth. And we can have heaven on earth. Some people don't like that because they think you're preaching some false stuff. You know, 
And I, I, I challenge you to uh, research this if you don't believe me. According to the Jewish thought, what heaven is, is God's presence. So they referred to Eden as heaven or paradise. They referred to the temple as heaven. Did you know that? <clears throat> That's why Jesus says, unless, he says, one jot or tittle will no wise pass from this law until heaven and earth passes away. So either we're still under the law and heaven and earth hasn't passed away or heaven and earth has passed away and we're not under the law. Now that's a whole different topic I'm not prepared to get into because there's so much that can be said about that. And if you want me to talk to you more about that later, I will. But that's why in the Holy of Holies, there was stars. There was the cherubim. What are those heavenly creatures? The temple in the Holy of Holies was representative of heaven. But in the other courts, there were earth creatures such as a lion. And if you read extra biblical literature dating from the first century, you'll learn that they refer to the temple as heaven and earth. And as we know, Paul says, there's a third heaven. So not every heaven is the same. Did you know that? Temple was one heaven. The sky is the other heaven. And God's abode was the third heaven. But nonetheless, um, the point that I'm trying to make is that we can have heaven on earth with regards to the presence of Christ in our life. Amen. And wherever his presence is abiding, there is glory. There is not destruction. There is not mayhem. There is not drought. There is not a lack of provision. There isn't famine. Amen. It's an ever-increasing glory. 